I want to begin today, we're in week two of our series, Deeply Rooted, which is all about prayer and the central nature of prayer in our life, and that truly it is the, the resource that God has given to us to speak to him and to connect and to listen to his voice. So let's begin with the word of God, Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read just a few verses, and I want you to listen carefully to the fullness of expression that Jesus shares in these words. This is part of Jesus's famous Sermon on the Mount, where he gives teaching after teaching in all sorts of different areas, and this is the teaching on prayer, at least part of it today. Verse 9, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, Verse 14, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. We know this more commonly called the Lord's Prayer. This is the version, this is the wording that Matthew includes in his gospel account. When we lack words, or especially when troubles loom larger for us, These are often the times where people have turned to the word, turned their selves towards God to pray. And these words in this Lord's Prayer are often what people have said through the centuries. Words that even though they might become rote or ritual, actually have the power to overcome the weariness that we feel and to speak comfort into our souls and actually give us rest from God as he responds to us. As we consider and reflect on these words of Jesus today, he begins this section of prayer, teaching on prayer, with the words, and when you pray, not if you pray. See, Jesus is assuming that especially if you have chosen to walk with him, that prayer be what you do. At least one of the primary ways that you both connect with God and learn and grow. When you pray, this is what your prayers should sound like, would be another way of hearing what he says. The tone of your prayers, the character of your prayers, the appropriate substance and attitude of your prayers. And so this Lord's Prayer is not about reciting some magical words that will suddenly miraculously overcome everything in your life. It's about praying in this way, regardless of the words that you use. And maybe... These are not the words that help you in that particular moment, but they can orient you in the types and kinds of prayers that will help you connect with God. 
This is how you should pray, Jesus says. In essence, for you Star Wars folks, this is the way. You Mandalorian folks, I should say. Now, all throughout the Bible, we find a huge range of prayer for almost every situation and circumstance. Prayer after prayer after prayer. On the back of your bulletin, I listed a bunch of references. Do you need help, James? Are you okay, James? All right. I listed a bunch of references for all of the different prayers, just a a sampling of prayers throughout the Bible. We see in Genesis, Isaac praying for his wife, Rebecca, to become pregnant. In Numbers, we see Moses praying for God to take away the venomous snakes. He actually prays on behalf of the people who were scared. In 2 Kings, we see King Hezekiah praying for direction from God's enemies. In Nehemiah, we see him praying for plans, architectural plans, to help him rebuild a city, the city of Jerusalem, most seen in its walls. We see prayer after prayer after prayer. Daniel prayed three times a day, giving thanks to God. David prayed for the peace of Jerusalem and its people. Anna the prophetess prayed in thanks as she saw the Messiah in the Gospel of Luke. We see a tax collector. Actually, Jesus teaches a parable between a Pharisee and a tax collector. And the Pharisee prays all showy and flowery. And the tax collector, it says, he humbles himself before the Lord, praying in humility to receive God's mercy. And which one of those two is the one that you think God heard and responded to? the tax collector, one of those hated people in ancient society. We see Paul in the New Testament pray for God to open doors to share the good news. We also see Paul pray for God to help him speak clearly. We think of Paul as a great evangelist, you know, who went around to all sorts of different countries and places, and he started churches, and we also read that he got nervous, and he asked God to help him speak clearly so that the people would hear. John, in his later years, in his uh, letter, 3 John, prayed for his friend, Gaius, to have good health and well-being. Mary, the mother of Jesus, prayed in faith for God's word to be fulfilled And she has this beautiful song also later in Luke 1. It's a song that's really a prayer. A prayer where she is willing to be God's servant in this. And we see Jesus command us to pray for our enemies, offering a different kind of prayer. Jesus, towards the end of his life, in John 17, also has the longest prayer, the whole chapter, in which he prays for all of the people that he was with then, and it says he prayed for you. He prayed for future believers. He prays for you and me. He prays for our unity. Now, why did I go through just that? This is just a smattering of prayers. There are dozens and perhaps hundreds more all throughout the Bible. 
It's to help us realize that from the very beginning, from Genesis all the way through Revelation, the revelation of God as God has revealed his word, we can come to the conclusion that prayer is the full scope of how God expects us to communicate with him and to him. Prayer is a constant. But, you might say, that was back then. In our modern, evolved, sophisticated lives and world today, why do we or should we or would we pray today? We can generally get things figured out. <laughs> I'm, I'm giving the skeptical, cynical response because the longer we live, maybe we don't have to live very long at all, we realize that is absolutely not true. The more we try to have things under control, the more they seem to unravel. Why do we pray? At least within the context of God's people, prayer is part of faith. It's part of our confident belief in the Lord God. Because through prayer, and when we pray, this is at least what we're announcing in our belief, that there is a God in the invisible spiritual world who affects the physical, visible world. We're placing our faith in that God when we pray, that our prayers actually can make a difference, even if we can't see it right away. There was a great scholar, his name was Hans Wolf. And he wrote a study of how the Old Testament writers understood how we were created or our, their understanding of what it meant to be a human being from the perspective of the Old Testament. And it was, it was one basic idea, which was that we were comprised of flesh, that is our mortal bodies, our physical strength, and all of our limitations that we have, which we often try to deny, in addition to our flesh, we have our spirit, which is our existence that is empowered by the Holy Spirit, by the breath of life from God that we actually receive. It's where we are given our individual will and our freedom and our inspiration as human beings. And then the third area of what they th thought of as a complete human being was our soul. A soul that he, uh, Mr. Wolf, titled The Needy Man. Now, he wrote that a long time ago. The Needy Man or The Needy Woman. In other words, your soul is a needy part of you. What does that mean? Thomas Aquinas, a name that even if you don't know much about what he wrote, you've maybe heard his name before. He wrote that the neediness of the soul is a pointer to God. That because we are needy, that that actually means that's what points us to God. Because we are limited in virtually every way in our intelligence, our strength, our energy, our morality. There is only one way that we are unlimited in. What do you think that is? It's this, <laughs> desire. 
I know. We are limited in every way as human beings except in our capacity for desire. We always want more. More time, more wisdom, more beauty, or as you scroll down the rabbit hole, more videos of cute cats. And in fact, YouTube will help feed your desire by saying, it seems you like videos of cats. May I suggest these videos help us perfect our algorithm? Our soul is an algorithm of desire. Now, before we go, ugh, God actually made us this way. It is this unlimited desire that our soul is actually crying out for. Always needing more, seeking more, searching for something else. In the book, You Have a Soul, it's a great book because it's only 64 pages. It's more of a booklet. You Have a Soul, it weighs nothing and but means everything. The author, John Orberg, says, the soul's infinite capacity to desire is the mirror image of God's infinite capacity to give. The soul's infinite capacity to desire is the mirror image of God's infinite capacity to give. He says, so what if the real reason we feel as if we never have enough is that God is not yet finished giving? The unlimited neediness of our soul matches the unlimited grace of God. See, the desire that God placed within us, that natural desire that we have, is a desire that can be used for good or evil. God's intention is that our desire would actually prompt us to turn to him. Within all of us is a natural neediness that was meant to point us to God. Because whenever we try to meet our needs by looking everywhere else, we will always be left wanting more. Just like that old phone commercial, that little girl saying, we want more, we want more. God's desire is that we would reach out to him reach out to our creator out of a deep need within our souls that only the Lord God can fill. And so we do this through prayer. We seek guidance. We seek to follow the will of God. We pray that we might know what God has for us. We pray out of our need and we ask God to respond. 1 Peter chapter 1 says this, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Another way of thinking of that as, is as we pray and grow closer to God, we actually see our souls become more and more perfected as God intended. Now we know that that will never be fully accomplished during our life on this side of heaven. But that's the aim that we shoot for 
And prayer is one of those chief ways that we move in that direction. Even though you cannot see God, there is something in your human nature that says there is a God with us, beyond us, and beside us, whether you choose to accept it or not. Because the soul longs to have conversation with its creator. That's why in Matthew 6, Jesus shares how we are to pray. He shows us the way for this soul conversation to take place. He teaches us that prayer should be rooted in a natural desire to commune with and glorify God in accordance with his will. We pray because God is our ultimate provider and sustainer. God is our deliverer and he reigns over all things. So knowing all of this, why then do we or would we pray for our needs? Sometimes we might wonder, is it even necessary? It sounds a little selfish to me. I know I certainly grew up thinking that we, sh- we should pray for things that, that God wants for us. Because if we focus on ourselves a little bit too much, then, you know, we're, we're kind of, we're on, we're on shaky ground. It's a slippery slope. It's sort of self-serving. But Jesus actually says, pray, give us our daily bread. When we pray for our needs, it isn't to inform God of something that he doesn't already know. We already said he knows everything. He knows what you need. We said this last week. He knows what you need more than what you need. Then you know what you need. You know what I mean. Jesus knows our deep need to connect. The Lord's prayer is about this God who is so connected to us in a deep and profound way that Jesus actually starts the prayer by saying, this is how you're supposed to pray. Our Father. Not my Father, but our Father. It's deeply relational and personal that his Father in heaven that so supplied Jesus in every moment and in every situation is the same as Father that we have when we accept Jesus. In prayer, we share personally with God what weighs heavy on our hearts and minds. And in this holy conversation, our wills actually begin to conform to his perfect and pleasing will. The more we pray, the more we actually realize that our prayers start to change in part. When we pray for our needs, we show confidence that the God of the universe will provide exactly what you need. And so we are encouraged to ask, give us this day our daily bread. When I was in school, most of you know what this is. That probably just blew out the audio. This is what I brought to school every day. A brown paper bag, but not an empty brown paper bag. It was usually full of the one thing, the one of about five things that my dad knew how to cook. In this case, make. Peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And toss in some baby carrots that my mom probably had in the fridge or something like that. 
And that was usually the extent of my lunch. I wish. And when I said I wish, what do you think his response was? Get a job. So I did. I got a paper route so that I could buy and get those Swiss cake rolls every now and then. Never, never really had the pudding cups or the go-gurt or any of the things that, that other kids had or wanted. But what I came to understand a little better many years later was that children went to school, whether it was with a brown paper bag or a lunchbox or whether it was lunch from the cafeteria, but they went to school knowing for certain that they would have a meal. Whether they were on free and reduced lunch or the brown paper bag poor lunch or some other kind of lunch. There was always that certainty that at least, even if your home life was in complete shambles, that you were gonna at least have a meal. You were gonna be provided for in that moment. Give us this day our daily bread. This prayer shows total confidence in God, just like children had at receiving lunch. It is a humble thing to ask, and it is a huge thing to trust, not only that God will provide your daily bread, but trusting that he actually already has the bread for tomorrow. Why do you think he did this with the, his people, the Israelites in the Old Testament, when he provided manna? And what did he say about that manna? Gather up as much as you can, but don't gather up too much. Don't gather more than you need. And when they did that, what happened? It spoiled. He provided just what they needed in the moment, even though they came to not like it very much. We want meat. You're going to be a vegetarian. My sisters and brothers, with these words, give us this day our daily bread. I'm led to believe that our lunches, our needs are already prepared in heaven for us. So it is good to ask in humility, but to ask nonetheless God in prayer for what you need, trusting that he will supply. So I encourage you to keep on praying. We know he doesn't always give us what we want. Continue to pray, trusting that God's kingdom reigns everywhere. Continue to pray, knowing that God is a gracious and giving God. Continue to pray, understanding that God is able to forgive us, to provide for us, and to surround us with his protection for our bodies, our spirits, our souls. In Ephesians 6, verse 18, the word reminds us, and pray in the spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. And just like we see all throughout the Bible, how are we to offer prayers? On what occasions? All. And what kinds of prayers? All. So the prayer that maybe you're doubting, is this actually okay to pray to the Lord? Offer it. All prayers. What kinds of requests or needs? All 
requests. And who are we to pray for? All the saints. Even though Jesus also expanded that and he said also pray for your enemies. So all people. Keep on praying and praying and praying because that is how God wants it. Some of your prayers will be answered immediately while other prayers will be answered eventually in accordance with God's will. Fifty years ago, a song came out called Jesus on the Main Line. Those of you that are, let's say, 30 and under, 25 and under maybe, maybe you've never even heard what a main line is. See, there used to be when, before the days of cell phones, and you pick up the phone, sometimes you didn't even have to dial because there would be someone on the end of the line, an operator, and you would say, I would like to call, connect me to so-and-so. And when you pick up that phone, that main line, you would always get an answer. You would never get a busy signal. You would never get the call failed signal. Hi, can I help you? Yeah, usually said in a cheerful, hopefully a cheerful tone like that. So a song came out called Jesus on the Main Line, and here's how it goes. I know Jesus is on the main line. Tell him what you want. Oh, Jesus is on that main line. Tell him what you want. Jesus is on that main line. Tell him what you want. Call him up and tell him what you want. The line ain't never busy. If you want his kingdom, if you're sick and want to get well, If you're feeling down and out, so call them up and tell them what you want. Let's pray. Jesus, you taught us. And when we pray. So we pray to you. We call upon you. On your main line. Hear whatever is on our hearts. Help to quiet and comfort our souls so that we might be able to hear you in response. Encourage us with your word and the words that you speak to us. God, will you bless this group of people here now? Give them supernatural ability to not only pray, but to be able to hear your clear voice. A voice with no static on the line. A voice that always comes through. Help us, O Lord, to hear you. For you are our Father in heaven. May your will be done here as it already is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And I will not be shaken. Yeah, hallelujah. Amen. I will not be shaken. Thank you to our, our worship arts team this morning. And uh, kids on the you guys in the back. There were bubbles. Yeah, you know what?
receive these words as we prepare to go. May God be your comfort and your strength. May God be your hope and support. May God be your light and the way. And may the blessing of God, creator, redeemer, and giver of life remain with you now and forever. Amen. Amen. Church, have a great week.